Not true, not true. Um, do want to thank you for your partnership um, that you've had with us in the ministry that God has entrusted to our care. Uh, had different job descriptions. Started out as a youth missionary and a youth pastor at Rafton Bible Church and program director at the camp and then became assistant director uh, and then director and then God led us to plant a church where there had never been a church for 80 years and uh, Ben pastored it for a while um, and it's doing well. They got property they're going to build here according to the new pastor here pretty soon and then God kind of led us into I guess what the well, the mission doesn't call it anything anymore because they phased it out, but the church missionary program uh, where you go to a church and you pastor a church that can't afford a pastor. A uh, couple things there I'd like to share with you. Um, I'm still an area missionary, even though I don't know if the, technically they have the, uh, the program anymore since the mission is really changing. And, and pray for the mission. Um, our regional well, our general director, the boss of the mission, uh, came and had a meeting with Lynn and I in June, and uh, let's put it this way, him and I have had some discussions in the past that just haven't been too agreeable between the two of us on women's role in the church and other issues, and pray for the mission. Um, this man has taken the mission down a path that uh, I just do not think doctrinally is sound. And so we just agreed to disagree again, although, um, well, just pray for the mission. In uh, that aspect, and uh, my immediate supervisor, Nathan Bath, who used to be one of my youth group kids, um, was at Blanchard, showed up to Blanchard last week and was there, and, and he stood up and, with tears in his eyes and ask that uh, that church and you as well would pray uh, that God would raise up missionaries to go into the rural areas again, which is where the mission used to be strong, and then kind of took a bent to go to the inner city, and uh, inner city has lots of ministries they've discovered, and so now it's the rural areas uh, that the mission wants missionaries to go to again, which... I think it's actually a pretty good thing in our neck of the woods. Anyway, uh, the church, uh, when we started at Blanchard Community Church, it had uh, two dozen faithful people. And I will say that. Um, church had gone through some tough times, and it was just down to about two dozen people. Really did not know how to grow or reach people for Christ and the community for Jesus Christ. There were some things that went on. It caused some of these things, uh, but in the last year and a half, the church is just, we've had slow growth, but it's just taken off. Church is full every Sunday, and uh, I don't know how many we could seat, um, probably 200, I suppose. Uh, it's making my head swivel, to be very honest with you. Uh, all I have to do is memorize Randy and Lynn, and I've got to memorize all these different names, and I ask a lot, who are you, and where are you from, and, and different stuff, and so we praise the Lord for that. Um, there's a couple of uh, mountains I still feel in the church that we need to climb. Uh, since we've been there, the church has really never operated according to its constitution and bylaws that it has. Uh, doctrinal statement was eight points, and I think about one sentence per point. 
And so we want to uh, definitely expand on that to make sure that when people look at our doctrinal statement, they'll know what we stand for, what we believe, what we teach, what we preach. And uh, so we've had rough draft number five uh, that the administrational committee has went through and, uh, and then they'll present it to the board, the board will vote on it and then they'll take it to the people after the first of the year and uh, hopefully, Lord willing, it'll be passed in. Um, so that's a good thing, and the establishment of elders and deacons uh, is one of the main things uh, that's happening in it. And so if you'd pray for that, and then the uh, second thing, Steve alluded to it, this church has never had a full-time pastor. They've always had a missionary pastor, and one of the reasons is because 40 to 45 percent of the budget of the first pastor that pastored the church uh, it went automatically into missions. And um, it needs to be really brought down to right about anywhere from 10 to 20%, somewhere in there, depending on the size of the budget um, that you currently have. Um, and so that's going to be a dramatic change that needs to happen. And I'd like to see it happen in my tenure. I'm 64 now, not getting any younger. Um, and um, I would like to see that happen so that when the new pastor comes on board, he'll be fully supported. Um, and that's what they've always desired there. Um, and so they need to take some dramatic steps. So you can pray for that in this next year. As we started going through this growth spurt, um, and this is about a year and a half ago, I mean this really major growth spurt, uh, people would come into our church and uh, we've got a, condominium uh, outfit up there and then it's also a it's nine different uh, I don't know what you call those associations within the Stone Ridge area if you've ever heard of it up there golf cars up there's the main thing that draws people um, and different stuff but as we had people visit from that and then people started visiting the church check us out see if this was where they wanted to come and make a church family out of it. They kept saying to me, man, it's just amazing to you guys. You open the word of God and just preach and teach from it. And it just didn't dawn on me. I know it, Steve, it takes a while for me to realize some of these things. Um, and I just started noticing it about a year ago. And so I started asking some of these people that had settled in, what do you mean by that? Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? And uh, they would say, well, man, church where we go, they don't do that. And I started thinking as it kept, uh, we kept getting this comment that this is not rocket science, what we're supposed to be doing. And so um, I'm not a very good topical preacher. I'm more of a, and I think that's more the way we were taught, is to take a book and sit in the book and do chapter by chapter, verse by verse, precept on precept as you teach through uh, God's word. That's where I'm more comfortable. Um, but I was challenged to do something, so I decided to take a class that had a dramatic impact on me when I first went to Bible college in my first year. It was called Intro to Doctrine. You, you weren't in that same class with me, but I, you had to have taken it to get your degree. Um, and, and it started in theology proper, which is a study of God the Father, and goes to eschatology, the study of end things. And so I took all those notes, 
um, and typed them out on computer. Uh, had to uh, dissimilate and assimilate some because of my note-taking abilities. Um, uh, talked to some of my Bible college students. Uh, what does he mean by this? And uh, really got myself in the Word of God. It was good for me to go back to my roots, the things that I was taught, that Steve was taught. And uh, really, uh, the Inland Empire School of the Bible saturated this area with pastors. And it really did. And a bunch of them, Steve and I went to Bible college with them. They're still out there pastoring. And so it was a good thing. But uh, one of the people that settled in the church said, you really need to get out of your little bubble you live in. Steve always accused us of living in the sticks up there. Um, now we're living in the city. The town we live in was 800 people when we first moved into it. It's running close to about 4,200 now. And when they get the new sewer expansion into it, who knows how big it'll be. I want to move to, I don't know where, but somewhere. Um, but anyway, he challenged me, you need to go and look at this of the church that they had gone to. And they left, and they moved out of the state. But they had left that church earlier, and we were looking for a church before they decided to move from California to uh, North Idaho. And, um, and he took a reduction in salary of $150,000 with this move, but he wanted his kids to be in a more protected setting, and uh, they just wanted to get away from some of the craziness that they were experiencing down there. So he challenged me to go on the church's website and look and see at their last Easter service, which was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back for them leaving that church. And uh, so I went on and watched it. My, I'm not a tech guy. I'm not a, uh, uh, well, let's put it, I'm electronically challenged. <clears throat> um, I really don't know if I fit in this day and age of all this different stuff going on. Um, but I, Lynn turned me on to YouTube, so I went on to YouTube and I watched it and watched their Easter service. And what they had was a laser light show. And people were dressed in these black felt bags over their whole face and everything. Uh, they might have been ugly. Well, I don't know. But anyway, they were dressed in these bags, and they had these laser lights going. And I didn't get the gist of the thing. The Bible was never open. The, one of the greatest days that the church celebrates, Easter, was never mentioned. And I don't even know what it was about. And so I started checking other ones. And I noticed one thing, one of the major uh, older theologians, he's today, Dr. Charles Stanley, his son uh, Andy Stanley has said some dramatic things, and Andy Stanley pastors the second largest church in America. And this is what Andy Stanley has said, that you as a Christian no longer need to observe the Ten Commandments, they do not apply to you. And said that you, if you're a Christian in this day and age, you need to disconnect yourself from the Old Testament. It really shouldn't have anything to do with you. It's not applicable. And I noticed, Steve, this morning you were teaching out of it. So uh, according to Andy Stanley, you're wrong. Another major uh, evangelical teacher, a woman that has went down and she's uh, preached in a major denomination that has really held to sound doctrine for a number of years, has written a number of books, has uh, come out, and she's just doing some things that are just really strange. 
one of the things I tuned in and watched is she was speaking at a women's conference, and there were some men there as well, but she was speaking at this, and she said that God told her to go and talk to this man, and this man was in a wheelchair. And she said, oh, I don't want to go up to him because I guess he had shabby clothes or whatever. She didn't elaborate on that. But uh, God had told her to go and talk to this man. And she sits there and she goes through this dramatic thing how she didn't want to go talk to this guy. And God kept telling her to go talk to this guy. And finally she said, Lord, I don't want to talk to this guy and witness to him about the Lord Jesus Christ. And she said that God told her and had the same authority as Scripture. Now, don't miss that that she was supposed to go up and comb this man's hair. Yeah, what? Um, And then she gets in this big dramatic thing, how she didn't have a comb, and gets through this whole thing, and she ends up combing this guy's hair. Now, if I would have been in that electric wheelchair, uh, I would have pushed the go button and would have zipped out of it about as fast as I could go. If you'll turn to uh, 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5, I'm going to read this passage, and probably, Steve, I'd get zapped uh, by uh, Greg Ryerson on my uh, homiletical skills, the art and science of preaching here. Uh, but I believe there are, is three uh, prophetic statements that applies to the church. So 2 Timothy, and really 2 Timothy is a uh, manual for how to live in the last days. It really is. It really is when it applies to the church. And he says this, uh, 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5, and it's good to hear those pages ruffling, I'll tell you, it's just great to hear that. It says, in the presence of God, in Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, don't miss that, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn away, they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardships, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Uh, The first thing I want you to notice here is the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy and said that a time would come. He did not say the time is now. Yes, at the beginning of the church, they uh, struggled with certain things. And yes, there was uh, some false teachers. Uh, They were called Judaizers, Jews that had not accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, but had snuck into the church and said, yes, you're... You're saved by the blood of Christ, but you're kept by keeping the law. And so you had that battle going on within the church. But you didn't have a lot of false doctrinal teachers in the establishment of the church. You didn't have a lot of false apostles, and there were some of those. He said, for the time will come. In other words... um, during, and this concerns the church age we're living in, it says that there's a time on the horizon when who's the they that he's talking about? It's people within the church. That's what he's talking about. People outside the church do, does not care whether we have sound doctrine or not. They just don't. You know, they're not concerned with what the church really does. 
until they come to that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, until they come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's people within the church. The second thing he says here is don't miss it. Each and every word is important. That's what I have a problem with a lot of these modern translations is they're not word-for-word translations. And boy, how many more translations do we need? Drives me crazy, you know? And so um, do not miss the word instead or but. This means a marked contrast or opposition. In other words, there will come a time when people in certain churches will be in opposition to sound doctrine. The verse goes on to say, after their own desires or after their own lusts. This means that there will be a longing for what is forbidden. Don't miss that. A longing for what is forbidden. They will pursue doctrines that God's word forbids. Those who live contrary to sound doctrine resent and resist the teaching of sound doctrine. This young couple that I talked about that has moved up to our place, had a big reduction in salary and, and different stuff, um, he told me is how it slowly started to deteriorate. And it meant a lot, this church. And the pastor of this church is the one that led him to the Lord and discipled him for a number of years. But then... For whatever reason, the pastor in the church took a bent and started down a path. And pretty soon you get a laser light show instead of celebrating Easter the way we're supposed to celebrate it. It says they will gather or heap. I like that word heap. It means to accumulate further. Paul is saying to Timothy that people within churches will accumulate for themselves ungodly teachers in accordance with their own ungodly desires. Noted Bible scholar, I don't know if you know this guy, Marvin R. Vincent, ring a bell, Steve? Oh, man, you got to get into these old scholars. He said this, and he said this 40 years ago, if people desire a calf to worship, a ministerial calf maker is readily found. It's really true. Churches, especially small churches, do not have a hard time getting pastoral candidates. But sound doctrine pastoral candidates is getting to be a rare thing. A lot of the Bible colleges have quit putting Bible as the main thing, and they've become a liberal arts school. Don't miss the word liberal. A lot of seminaries are not putting out pastors. In fact, very few of them are. Most of them have other people pursuing other things. As we continue to let the world creep into these good, godly institutions, the more the world is going to have effect on them in a negative way. It very much disappointed me when I heard Moody was pulling out of Spokane. It did. But it doesn't surprise me because they were not putting out a lot of pastors. And they weren't. They weren't. Small churches are having a hard time finding pastors. In fact, I know a church that's a congregation of maybe if everybody showed up on Sunday, which I realize is a rare thing in this day and age, about 70 people is offering $60,000 a year, and they've been looking for over two years for a pastor and still can't find one. Yes, maybe they're a little bit picky, but they want a sound doctrine guy. Those are hard to find. They're getting harder and harder to find. 
Third thing it says here, they will turn away from the truth. The word turn means to turn their back away from or to pervert. And what is the truth? That's a good question, right? What is truth? Well, Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. The word of God is the truth. Yes, it does have absolutes. Yes, it does tell us right and wrong, but it also instructs us in how to be holy as he is holy. That's our ultimate goal. Churches that once genuinely were evangelical, where Bible was divine standard for belief and for living, is compromised. In fact, sometimes, as you go on the internet, but I would question not do it, I was interested for about two days, and then it just made me sick in my heart. But it is being stripped away of its clear meaning or is relegated, and don't miss this, to a place of secondary authority behind personal revelations claimed to be from God. You know, God told me this, and it's the same as Scripture. Really? Really. Um, I don't think they've read the back of the book. And we'll look at a verse there. So how do we deal with this? How do we not compromise God's word? Well, I think it says it at the beginning of this. We need to preach sound doctrine. Um, Steve and I were taught to be expository preachers, to take what God deposited and take from that and preach from that and teach from that. Isogetical preaching, which is what you see a lot in this day and age, and topical preaching seems to carry a lot of that, is to force into the scriptures into the scriptures. We actually had a pastor at Raffin Bible Church, um, and it's right after we were sent to go down to Bayview to plant that church, and he came to the church, and he got in a car wreck uh, that week, and then that Sunday he preached on that. Um, We need to be very careful. We need to preach sound doctrine. If you look at this word, the word doctrine in the Greek, and I'm not going to say the Greek word, it would impress Steve, and then I'd just lose all credibility with him. Uh, It means to literally that which is taught. That's what doctrine means. You can be indoctrinated, but that does not necessarily mean you're Christian. You're Christian. So the word sound is very important. Sound simply means to be healthy. It is the term from which we derive the word hygiene. Interesting. So it's healthy doctrine. If you're not into sound doctrine, you're going to stink doctrinally. That's really it. Sound doctrine is therefore a spiritual, helpful doctrine. Doctrine contributing to the health of the soul or to salvation figuratively figuratively, to be uncorrupted, uncorrupted. The reason I started down that path of doing uh, that topical preaching, uh, which was tough uh, for me, but started with theology proper and ended up in eschatology, was because we had a lot of people coming into the church, and they didn't have that sound doctrine. That's why they were amazed you just open up God's word, and you preach from it. You taught from it. It defined what we teach. 
The Apostle Paul wrote to Titus in Titus 1.9, he said, encourage others through sound doctrine. He also said later on in Titus, in Titus 2.1, he said that he, talking about an elder, must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. You're going to see this theme constantly repeated throughout the epistles. In accord or proper means fitting, it is fitting or right. In other words, we're to teach God's word literally. That's the way it needs to be taught, literally. It says what it means, it means what it says. It's not rocket science, really. And yes, if you're a baby Christian, you start out and maybe all you know is John 3.16. But that's why you go to Bible studies. That's why you come to Sunday school. That's why you go to church, so that you'll grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus and said that they were to teach sound doctrine. He says, then you will no longer be children tossed here and there by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. You need to be very careful in this day and age. If you are listening to someone on the internet or if you're listening to someone on YouTube and different stuff, you better have the word of God in your hands or you can be led astray or you better know your doctrine very, very well. And you'll say, well, this can't hit us in this area, right? Here is a, um, a spokesman review, um, and I don't know where I picked this up, but it's uh, September 2nd, 2000. I want you to listen to this stuff. And they polled um, several churches. In fact, they claim they polled 5,000 people in churches in Spokane. Doesn't say what churches, um, but this is uh, how, what their poll came up with. It. They asked certain, certain questions, and the first one they asked was, the Bible is totally accurate in all of its teachings. 43% agreed strongly. 43%. The other said uh, they disagreed strongly, and then 6% said, we don't know. Second one, you personally have a responsibility to tell other people about your religious beliefs. Only 31% said that they strongly agree. Uh, 7% said they did know. The rest said that they disagreed. The devil or Satan is not a living being but is a symbol of evil. This is interesting. 58% agreed to that. So Christ is real but Satan isn't. And uh, as it's been running, 7% said they didn't know. That's just the great cop-out, you know. Uh, four says, if a person is generally good or does enough good things for others during their life, they will earn a place in heaven. 51% strongly agreed. 7% said they didn't know. The other ones uh, disagreed. Five, it says, when he lived on the earth, Jesus Christ was human and committed sins like other people. 39% said they strongly agree. Uh, 43% said they uh, disagree, and uh, 9% said they didn't know. If that doesn't add up, well, you can figure it out. Okay. Six, it, it doesn't matter what religious faith you follow because they all teach the same lessons. 44% said they strongly agree. 
Uh, only 3% said they didn't know. The Holy Spirit is a symbol of God's presence or power, but is not a living entity. Why do we teach pneumatology? Because of this. 41% said they strongly agree. Um, uh, 8% said they disagree somewhat, and then 25% said they disagree a lot. 7% said they didn't know. Boy, you know, and that's one part of the Godhead we just don't teach a lot on. We don't. But he's God. He's God. After he was crucified and died, Jesus Christ did not return to life physically. Uh, 40% said they strongly agree with that. 11% said they disagree somewhat. 41% said they strongly disagree. 8% said they didn't know. Boy, that same percentage, they just don't know or just don't know. Nine, the Bible teaches that God helps those who help themselves. Yeah, we laugh at that one, but that used to be a common thing out there. 75% said they strongly agree. God helps those who help themselves. There's a good thing to preach on next Sunday, Steve. I like being a guest speaker. You just come and light a fire, and then you bow out, you know. So, uh, 10, all people will experience the same outcome after death, regardless of their religious beliefs. Um, let me add this up here. Uh, 41% said they strongly agree. 36% said they disagree, and 7% said they don't know. 16% said they somewhat disagree. Okay? 11. There are some crimes, sins, or other things which people might do which God cannot be for, which cannot be forgiven by God. Uh, 30% said they strongly agree. 50% said they disagree strongly, 5% said they didn't know, and 15% really don't know what's going on, okay? Angels exist and influence people's lives. This is kind of an interesting one. 81% said they strongly agree. 7% said they strongly disagree. 5% said they don't know. 8% said they somewhat disagree. The universe was originally created by God over millions of years. 87% said they strongly agree. Yeah. You don't think evolution is having an effect on your society, you're wrong. 5% said they strongly disagree. 4% said they somewhat disagree. And 4% said they don't know. The last one, the whole idea of sin is outdated. Now, this is interesting. 13% said they agree strongly. 15% said they disagree somewhat. 68% said they disagree uh, strongly. And 5% said they do not know. Don't ever think that sound doctrine is not being taught everywhere. Uh, I have noticed as I've watched it on the internet, YouTube, uh, that mostly small churches are still into sound doctrine. It's the larger churches that are getting off on these things. Not every large church, but it's interesting, in the 10 charge, 
largest churches in America, you could really only say two are evangelical. On the one, you might even question that. Okay? Anyone who teaches the word of God better consider the cost of teaching false doctrine. Because it says in James, not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers. Who's he talking to? Christians. Because you know, they, we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, I don't know if I know the total ramifications of that when we stand before our Lord Jesus Christ on that. But I know I better be very careful. At the end of the book of Revelation... It says, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes the words away from this book of prophecy, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies through these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. It also says in the book of Proverbs almost the same thing. We're not to add to or take away. Paul told the church at Corinth, don't go beyond the written word. There are two applications I'd like to leave with you this morning. Uh, The first one is you should thank the Lord Jesus Christ that you have a pastor that teaches sound doctrine. Steve, you can pay me afterwards for this. I'll tell you what, Steve and I had great Bible teachers. We really did. They were pastors that were involved in ministry full-time teaching us. They were not of the professional type. In fact, one guy, Phil Farr, some of you might recognize the name, uh, Warren Damption's uh, uncle, said, those who can't do teach. It's becoming more and more true in this day and age of professional teachers. The second thing is you need to take advantage of the opportunities that this church offers so that you can continue to learn sound doctrine. Then you will be able to recognize false doctrine when you hear it. Um, Since I have turned this age, I have already started preparing this church and the leadership of the church where I'm at what they need to do when it comes to accepting a new pastor. Uh, believe me, I wouldn't want to be in his shoes because I think they're going to grill him pretty, pretty good on sound doctrine. You as a church need to get your sound doctrine down. If you don't have it, please take it opportunities, uh, advantage of the opportunities this church offers because that's the only way you're going to grow. Uh, Sunday school, which the mission I belong to used to be called American Sunday School Union, I used to go around and start Sunday schools. And I can say that Sunday school classes mostly are failing. And they are. Um, Yes, there are other things like Awana, youth leadership, those different things. Um, But believe me, you as an adult need to be at Sunday school class. Why? Because some of these guys, if you listen to them, they sound very convincingly in the things they say. But we need to be very careful, and you need to measure everything with this. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for who you are as God. And Lord, I thank you so much that you were willing to go and die on the cross for our sins. And Lord, I thank you for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for the great teacher that he is. And Lord, I thank you 
that we have readily available to us, your written word, to guide and direct us and tell us how to live. Lord, may each and every one of us concentrate on sound doctrine, that healthy doctrine that truly brings life to our souls. Lord, I thank you so much that you have let us know your total revelation from Genesis to Revelation. And truly, Lord, we have many other things that we need to be thankful for. And Lord, I thank you for the honor and privilege that I, and I know Steve joins in with me, uh, the privilege that we've had of earning a living by the gospel and being involved in your kingdom. And I know that each and every one of these people would say with me, thank you so much, Lord, and all God's people said,